You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So high right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama. Anything's possible. Rainy J's back with the vengeance. Back. All the real Celtics fans in attendance. Woo. This is the truth like 34. Yeah. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. Crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly podcast royalty. The content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings, focus like Danny at the deadline. Global, but it got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's is the best way. Melly. Welcome back. This is the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. I want to thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. This is the Tuesday program, and I, John Corrales, am here for you every day of the week. Today, joined by my former partner at RedsArmy.com, Chuck McKenney. Chuck, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling fantastic. You scheduled this podcast at just the right time. It's preventing me from watching the Steelers play the Dolphins. So let's get into it. There you go. Everybody, remember everybody, Chuck is a Steelers fan. One of those weird kind of freaks that somehow is a fan of all Boston sports except in football. So everybody, it wasn't too bad until about 2001, but the last 20 years, it's kind of sucked (laughs) around here. Um, all right. So, uh, We'll kind of get Chuck's thoughts on on everything. The Celtics were off, uh, so not much new necessarily. The, no new quotes, no new anything like that. So we'll just kind of get Chuck's thoughts on the few regular season games that we've had so far. Uh, one news item out there that uh, Jason Tatum was nominated for Player of the Week, and uh, that went to Trey Young in the East. Are you surprised, first of all, Chuck, that Tatum was nominated? Well, I didn't, I didn't get a good look at the competition, but uh, I think anytime a guy puts up, you know, 20 and 9, shooting 45% threes, I mean, that seems pretty pretty good to me. Um, you know, but this early, you have guys who are already averaging, what, like 37 points? Isn't Kyrie yeah. averaging like 37 yeah. points and stuff? Yeah. So I, I guess maybe a little bit, but, you know. Kyrie was nominated, too. Yeah. So. But, you know, 20 and 9, 45% from three, man, I'm loving those numbers. I'm yeah. loving those numbers. Yeah. So Tatum, Pascal Siakam, uh, Kendrick Nunn, Kyrie Irving, Giannis Antetokounmpo were all nominated. Trey Young won it. Um, and yeah, so that's it. So I, I talked about it last night. I think that Tatum's, he, obviously he's not finishing at the rim. Like obviously that, that's, that's a problem. Uh, but, I like that he's getting to the rim. He just needs to learn how to put the ball in the hole once he gets there. I saw somebody tweet, and I, I don't know where the tweet is, but uh, he said that Tatum's attacking the rim like he's 6'1", as opposed to 6'8". And it's the difference is like he's he's not using his body. He's not using it. He's trying to be too fancy. I've, I've said that he's been too cute around the rim. I think I think if he can, I think he can finish around the rim. He'll he'll learn. But I don't know what what you've seen, how you feel about his his attacking of the rim. Yeah, you know, I I mean, it's definitely noticeably uh, increased. You know, for me, I still I still see him fumble the ball. <laughs> I mean, he's gotten a lot 
He's gotten much better, but it just still seems like he has difficulty containing or, or, and it's, I don't know what his turnover rate is, but it's just, it's something I've always noticed about him and I've had a hard time letting go of. It just, maybe it's, maybe it's part of it's me, but it just, he, he has a hard time controlling the ball or he loses control of the ball more than it seems like other players. So again, um, I'm all for him attacking the rim and I think you're right. I think, you know, he's, he is six, eight and whatever, 200 plus 220 or something. So, you know, he needs to be drawing the contact. That's all part of getting to the line. Um, and trying to finish stronger, right? So, um, that's fair. He's, he's, you know, he's awfully athletic. So I could see, I could see why he, he's trying to be shifty and, and, and shy away from contact. But, um, that's an interesting point, but one that I hadn't really, um, thought about. For me, it's like, just hold on to the damn ball. Please. <laughs> Am I, am I wrong? I mean, have you noticed any difference in in that with him? I don't think it's been quite as bad, yeah, as it has in the past. But I mean, it's obviously still something that he's he's got to work on. He's noticeably bigger, like he's he's stronger. Yeah, he's not as strong, I think, still as he needs to be. And I also think that he has spent so much of his life not being big and strong that shying away from the contacts just kind of how it how he's had to play because taking contact when you are as thin as Jason Tatum has been his whole life, that that's not a healthy way to approach the game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. now, now we see like there's actual muscle definition and his shoulders look broader. And like, I look at him now and I've multiple times looked at him and be like, damn, he just looks bigger. Now he's just got now he, he's just got to learn how to play bigger. And, and and use these shoulders that he's now discovered and like start using watching some old Paul Pierce film and start really looking at how Paul Pierce used his upper body because that dude was not as athletic as anybody on the floor, but he used those big broad shoulders to get himself into the, into the, the painted area, into the restricted area and finish and bump guys off. Jalen Brown has, has become very good at using that shoulder, that off shoulder to kind of bump guys off of him and then still get a, a clean look at the rim. I mean, he, I think Tatum has now more tools at his disposal. He's just got to learn how to use them. Yeah. He might want to place a call to uh, Giannis in the off season. Maybe they can get together. I mean, talk about a guy who's completely sure, yeah. changed his body type in the NBA and, and, and who plays extremely physical now. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. And that's, you know, right. Three years now. So that's, that's going to be one skill set that he'll, that he'll develop, um, and keep, and keep adding and building, hopefully. But yeah, it's promising. His shoulders do, do look a little bit, uh, wider. So, um, man, you know, I'm just, I'm just loving that kid, everything I see. And part <laughs> of it's because, we have no choice. He's, he has to be the man or we're in deep shit. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. That's one way to put it. That's one way to put it. Uh, I, I, I do like that his, his shot selection has, has changed. Um, you see, you see the growth. I mean, we're sitting here talking about him struggling to finish at the rim, which he obviously is. He's shooting. I, I put the number out there on last night's podcast, like 40, seven percent or something like that in less than five feet which is just god awful he's still averaging 20 points a game so like because he's out there shooting 45 percent from three and he's taking eight threes a game like 
there's still a tendency for people to be like, stop chucking there, Tatum. Stop shooting so much. Like, no. Keep shooting those. Keep shooting. Even if you miss, like, three or four, you're going to hit two or three in a row. Like, maybe, maybe you can look back and be like, okay, could be a little bit more selective here. Maybe you could be a little bit more selective in certain spots. But still, like, go ahead, shoot. Like, it's 2019. You know, that's okay. The shots... Chuck, when we were playing, I mean, <laughs> we put you on the bench. You shot two of those, you'd be on the bench. You'd be done. You'd be done. <laughs> yeah. But like, that's not. That's uh, we're 180 degrees from that. The mentality's changed. And when you're as talented as Tatum is, and you can shoot the three like he does, then just chuck. And then when you See them closing out because all you're going to do when you're, when you're throwing those shots up, you're just going to force more and more aggressive closeouts. Then you attack. Then you really go in and go at the rim. So it's only three games in. I, I've seen people on Twitter be like, no, I hate how he's playing. Like, I, I think he's playing pretty well and he's got the best part. He's got a lot of room to grow. Like he really does have a lot of room to grow. Yeah, no doubt. I I have no no problems with his shot selection or the volume of shots. If anything, it's it's it shoot shoot more. Um, yeah, so I think that's just that's just a silly that's just a silly take. And, may, and maybe he could, you know, if he's getting to the rim and he's and he's finding some resistance, um, you know, there's nothing to say he can't kick it out. I mean, he's not right. the most dynamic playmaker, but that's another thing it's where another he's step. another area where he might be able to improve on it if he's got a couple guys on him, but. You know, I think we're we're nitpicking for him at this stage. It's we want to see uh, the right shots, and I think we are, and the volume go up and the percentage stay efficient, right? So yeah. he's around 22 points a game, nine rebounds. You're a fool if you're complaining about right. anything that comes along with that. Right, right. And now all he has to do is start adding a couple more free throws and finishing a little bit more at the rim. And now we're looking at a guy who can average 25, 26. That's I mean, now that's all-star level. We're, we're talking about all-star level. Yeah, no he, doubt. He's not going to shoot. He shot 60% or higher than that at the rim last year. So it's this is, I think, a little bit of a small sample size aberration. I think if he can just keep doing what he's doing, he's obviously not going to shoot 45% from three either. So that's also a small sample size. So it's all going to even out. Take a few more free throws. Get get to the, the rim a couple more times. Finish at the rim. He'll he'll get to like that 23-24. He can easily get to 23-24-25 points a game just by doing those things. So, I'm excited. Uh, I am not excited <laughs> about these uniforms that Ennis Cantor leaked. We're going to talk about those when we come back on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm going to start this all by saying I just feel bad for the Boston Celtics PR staff who has to constantly monitor what Ennis Cantor is doing and constantly be putting out Ennis Cantor fires. Today, uh, Monday, he tweeted out or not tweeted out Instagram storied his new uh city edition jersey 
which was not supposed to be unveiled. But he saw them and he was like, whoop, got to post this. Uh, so that's that's the first part. The second part is, God, those uniforms just looked like shit. They were just <laughs> horrible. <laughs> Tell us why. <laughs> well, they okay. First of all, the the I'm I'm willing to bet that the color that we saw is not exactly accurate. Like the lighting kind of messed with it. I feel like it looks teal. Okay, I don't think it's teal. I think it's probably green. Um, because why on earth would Nike give us teal jerseys like that? No, no. Uh, I think it's probably green and gold. So that makes them better. But that Boston font that looks like it's the font on the top of a, a an Irish pub in Boston. Maybe that was the goal, but like, I'm not excited about like the Boston Irish pub Celtics out there with those uniforms on. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, no, I'm, I'm I'm with you. It's it's funny how how um the the color, at least in the photos, looks hideous. But you're right, it's that font, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like. It's kind of cartoonish, yeah, it looks but in like a way, drew it on a cocktail napkin. And they were like, "Yeah, screw it, let's go." With yeah, it. yeah. And then it's weird because this is supposed to be a New Jersey, but but <laughs> in the in the photo of the backside, it looks like it's about thirty years old, and it's like it, the white has <laughs> has has like got that stained yellow look. To yeah, it, it looks so old. So I don't know what to take from from these jerseys. It, it, it's not blue, it, you know, it, and it's funny. I, I think I saw somebody reference, is this the, is this another version of the internet, like blue gold dress, right? Like <laughs> I see blue, you see gold. Yeah. But I don't know. Everyone seems to be seeing blue here. So, um, but you're right. It's, it's, it's not, you know, I'm a traditionalist when it comes to uniforms. It took me a while to accept the alternate black which is one of the first ones they they had, you know, the black and green. And then we were subjected to those hideous gray sleeved ones, those which, I mean, so they had them for like, it seemed like three God. seasons and we finally moved on oh. from them. Um, so, you know, I'd like, you know, there's so many, you know, we were talking earlier, there's so many jerseys to keep track of, but I, my, you know, one of my favorite alternate ones is the green with the gold, kind of the St. Paddy's right. Day, right? And, and, you know, traditional with the font and everything, but you just alter the color. And, then, and, you know, with these jerseys, they have to, like, one-up themselves every year. And not only are they changing the color, they're changing the font. And it's like, man, sometimes it's good enough. Right? Right. right. Like, that I, – I, I like different – like, I'm not so stuck. Like, so – People are like, the Celtics have two jerseys and that's it. Everything else is shit. Like, I'm not so, I'm not that stuck in things. Like, it's fine to have, like, the black jerseys that they wore against the Knicks. I like those. I think yeah. those are, those are sharp. Like, we know that's an alternate jersey. Like, we know. But sometimes they just, they go too far. And this, this isn't like, 
like they have the special Christmas ones. Nike Nike doesn't have like Christmas ones or St. Patrick's Day ones. Like they they just have five jerseys that they throw out there. There's I forget what they are. There's like icon and and statement. Like this is the the yeah. city ed- edition and there's an earned they call it an earned edition jersey. Like if you have won a championship, like you get an extra jersey. Like you earned an extra jersey. Like like Nike's not just giving you one because they want to market it and sell it for millions of dollars. Um, I, I but I'll be honest, like and I'm like a Nike guy. Like I I I don't tend to like other brands. I tend to gravitate towards Nike. I think Nike has screwed up these uniforms just from day one. Um, remember when they first came out? They were ripping. They were all ripping. The time? First like, half of the first season, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they had to fix that. Because they were so obsessed with getting the jerseys like so light that yeah. like l- like an extra ounce is going to change like I-, I have no idea. Um, and this is supposed to be the city edition, um, and the city edition changes every year. I can't even remember which one was the city edition last year. I I, I don't know. I'm just stuck on this 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 faux Irish <laughs> font thing, like. Just, I, I'm fine with changing color schemes. I'm fine with it, but just put a regular Celtics like their font. I, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm at, I'm at a loss for words now. It's just it's just <laughs> gross. It's just gross. And this is this is a big swing and a miss. And I'm hoping that when they are actually unveiled, I'll look at them and be like, okay, this wasn't quite as bad. But even so, even. Even the not as bad is still going to be pretty bad, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I mean, the Celtics haven't – there's been no sort of clarification or comment or anything about this, right? I mean, they've – Well, they, uh, no, I will say that um, – well, the Celtics have not commented. <clears throat> but Tim Bontemps on ESPN confirmed that these are the actual jerseys. Like this – those jerseys are real. I thought I thought when I first saw them, somebody might have been faking it. But those are the actual jerseys. And and according to Chris Forsberg, there are 16 games where they're slated to wear these jerseys, starting with the end of November home and home with with Brooklyn. So not only do you get Kyrie Irving back in the garden for all of your booze, you you have these jerseys that will be worn on the floor. So I yes. guess you could be booing the jerseys and everybody will be thinking that you're booing Kyrie. So maybe that's a <laughs> smart play by them. I mean, I'm far from a PR guru, um, but if you're Nike or you're the Celtics and you see this out there, I mean, they do say uh, any PR is good PR, but don't you want to kind of rectify it and throw it out and say, you know what, they're not blue and this is what they look like? Or are they going to hold firm to the – have have – you know, league-wide, none of the jerseys have been released. They're 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 waiting for a certain date. Because I'd want to correct this and be like, it's not blue. Here you go. Leak it somehow, inadvertently through one media member. <laughs> Something. Well, well, if you want a conspiracy theory that this was – Ennis Cantor actually leaked it to float the idea out there of these were going to be the alternate jerseys just to get a reaction. How about that? Oh, maybe. That? Well, I hope they're listening. <laughs> I don't – I mean, I, I don't actually think that because I know Ennis Cantor is just – he posts. That that's what he does. He posts on social media. So – I'm pretty sure that somebody – I can just picture a PR staffer watching Ennis Cantor send that out and go, no, yeah, slow right? motion. 
because uh, he deleted it. He deleted it like right away from his oh. story. So people, and I guess the lesson here is that as soon as you put something out like that out there, people are going to grab that shit. Like people know how to download from your stories like pretty fast. And as soon as they see something that could be deleted, people save it and like, <laughs> absolutely, it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> I mean, you just think about the life of a media person now in, in the NBA or any organized sport and how it's changed in the last 15 to 20 years and the shit they have to worry about now or before it was just like setting up interviews, you know, seeing who was, you know, who got in trouble overnight. Yeah. But now it's 24 seven. Who's posting what? Who's leaking stuff? We have, you know, Cantor is creating international news with some of the things he says. I mean, it's just it's wild. Think about it's this, Chuck. Like, he's out there with the the Instagram story of this. Remember, like, finding out that Larry Bird broke his hand in a bar fight? But oh, yeah. Years afterwards, and like, wow. Like, it's in a book. We find out afterwards in a book that he broke his hand during the playoffs in a fight. In if that had happened today, there'd be like 10 videos on Twitter right away that show Larry Bird punching a dude and breaking his hand. And yeah. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've talked about Bird. He wouldn't have fared well in this in, in this no, era. Not media, at all. Right? Because all. we'd be screaming at him for like, you know, why are you doing your your, your mother's driveway? Why did you hurt your back? You oh know? my god! <laughs> yes, he would have gotten decimated. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that era was, um, yeah, those guys, man, they were they were old school in so many different ways, and um, it's just it's funny. I'm thankful because I don't, you know, I don't want anything to tarnish his image. <laughs> at least in my mind. So um, I'll, I'll look back and, and laugh at it now. Where nowadays it's like, and I, yeah, I remember. You remember Ray Allen, right? This is going back. Was it 2009 when the, he when he tweet? tweeted out a text message that was yeah. to somebody? Uh, uh, it was like a, to a girl, right? Was, yeah, not his wife. One. Not his yeah. wife. But he got hacked. He got back hacked. Then, back then, you could get away with saying, "But I got hacked." Like everybody got hacked back then. Because yeah. no one knew how to use social media, and they'd screw up, and they'd be like, oh, I got hacked. And it was, you know, because people were actually getting hacked, that was kind of believable. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I say it a lot. I'm glad that Larry Bird and at least at least my basketball heroes weren't around for the social media era because it would have gotten ugly. All right, going to take a break. We'll come back with some additional thoughts on the first week of the season. Stick around for more of the Lockdown Celtics podcast. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. So, Chuck, uh, I saw you tweet, I think, I don't know if it was during the Philly game or maybe early in the Toronto game, that uh, something like you couldn't, you didn't get the whole Jalen Brown. Why? What was your tweet about Jalen Brown? You weren't on board with him. Oh, I don't see the upside in Jalen Brown? Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. Yeah, it was, sar- it was sarcasm, obviously. Sar- oh, sarcasm? That was, is yeah. that what that was? You couldn't feel it? No, I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. Oh, it was. He was having a. He was having a. He was having a good game. Um, okay. All it right. wasn't during the Philly game. It was after. And some people, you know, there were a few people who, uh, you know, 
uh, went directly at me to, you know, question what I was, what I was saying. But, you know, for me, I mean, I think I talked about the last time I was on the podcast. I, I supported the, you know, I, I approve of the contract. I think it's the going rate. I think he's worth the investment. I like the progress in his game. You know, I've had a million bad takes uh, on the Celtics <laughs> and their players during my, you know, life as a blogger. Um, and, you know, I was booing Jalen Brown, one of those clowns that booed Brown when they drafted him. And I wanted a shooter. He didn't seem to fit that mold. But I, I don't know. As a fan, if you've watched him over the last three years, whether it was the first year when he was in the playoffs, I mean, the guy has balls. He plays tough. He's athletic. I mean, he's he's bright. There's so much to like about him. And 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 he's just progress. I see the progression in his game, especially so far this year. I mean, I love him. I really do. Yeah, he's no, he's. I think he's had. It's funny because we started off talking about Jalen, uh, Jason Tatum getting the the votes, uh, or at least the nomination for Player of the Week. But I thought that Jalen Brown has has been the most consistently good player. Like Tatum has gone through stretches where it's like, eh, you know, he he's kind of struggling, and then he has like a hot stretch. But I think Jalen has been just consistently throughout the obviously struggling against Philly, but. Against Toronto and against the Knicks, he was just cons- has been consistently good. So, uh, you know, one of one of my thoughts on the first week when I was talking about it last night in the podcast is like he's he's been very impressive and and he's shown a lot of the things that I wasn't sure that he was going to be able to do. That pass that he hit Gordon Hayward with oh, in the Toronto yeah. game, oh my god, that's just I mean, every time I think about that, I like get a little warm. It's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he um, and it was you know that was the game Siakam went went nuts yes. in that you know third and part of the fourth quarter. And what made him more impressive was there were times where he was going against Brown and Jalen got a couple stops later in the game. But I love Brown's defense. Um, so watching them, you know, I'm thinking, man, Siakam's doing this, and and you know, Jalen's right in his face. So and I think he's always been the better two way player. Um. Although, you know, Tatum's defense is a little bit underrated, but, you know, Brown has that ability to, um, you know, he can cover some of the better wings on a team that are, you know, maybe a little bit bigger for Marcus to handle if Marcus is on the bench, you know? So that's what I've always liked about him, um, is that, is that defense and that sort of fearlessness. Um, you know, he just, he just has it. I, I just, you know, whether it's the you know, Duncan on Giannis or he just he can make those plays. And I, I I don't know. I guess I think last year, I'm not sure if fans, you know, he didn't – maybe they didn't see enough from him or maybe he took some heat for lack of chemistry, you know, while now pretty much every, everything's falling on Kyrie. But, mm-hmm. you know, I think at the time, you know, he was involved in that – he was the one who pushed Morris, right? Or Morris pushed him in the huddle yeah. in Miami, right? So, you know, I think he fell out a little bit of fan favor, a bit, but I don't know. I'm, I'm all Jalen. I'm 100 on board with him, man. I'm, I'm all, I'm all in on him. The two of them, I think that's where, that's where it's at. Yeah. Um, how have you felt about Kemba's beginning to the season? Yeah, I mean, I think in the last, what is it, the last six quarters or. or I forget what the stats are, but he, he's streaky, but he's, I feel like he's always been streaky. Um, and I don't have any, I don't have any problems with it. I watched that game against the Knicks and I thought, you know, oh man, it's typical Celtics. We're going to be struggling against a shitty team. 
But man, when Kemba gets rolling, he you know he can score eleven points in like a blink of an eye. Yeah. So I think he's gonna he he's gonna be like that. Um, I don't have any problems with it. I mean, I don't know what his career assist numbers are, but but he doesn't he doesn't seem to be the the, the team the, the the passing for the team as a whole. Like their assist numbers are are down significantly, right? I think I yeah. I've seen that. So I don't want to fault just him, but I mean, overall, I'm, I like what I see because I feel like this team is going to win games with their offense. That's, that's, I'm, I'm trying to shift my mindset. And yeah, maybe yeah. they'll prove me wrong, but I've always thought that they'd be defense first, you know, and they would find their way with offense. But I, but I think it's going to shift. You know, I just, I just think between those four, you know, Hayward's looked pretty good. Um, and even with Cantor, depending on whether he's starting or he's in that second unit, I think they have, uh, the the offense is gonna is gonna be it, um, so that that's what I'm that's what I'm looking that's what I'm looking for, and I've you know the rebounding right. It's like oh, it's another one of those things where you just have to accept and move on and say they'll be better in other categories. We're just not gonna be a good rebounding team, and that's but the way it is. They had like 21 offensive rebounds against the Toronto Raptors. Like rebounding won the game against Toronto, so oh. like they'll have they'll have stretches where they can do it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just when you, you know, when you see those overall numbers, right? I mean, I think they're like 26th sure. in the league in the, in the rebounding differential or something. Yeah, so, um, they do, but they have the players who can, you know, whether it's Grant Williams or, or some, they have the guys who can, who can hit the offensive glass and Cantor's been out for a couple of games too. Um, but I just think for me, it's like shifting the mindset from defense to, you know, they're going to outscore some teams. I, I, I really believe that. I think, you know, I don't think it's crazy to think they're, they're top 10 in offense. I know there's a lot of firepower in the West, but I think they can be up there. They certainly could. I mean, they're missing a ton of shots right now. So just to answer the Kemba assist numbers, he's career 5.5 assists. Last year, 5.9 in Charlotte. Uh, right now, 2.7. Now, yeah. is 2.7 because he's, they're not passing? I think, I think the ball movement is a little, uh, a little stagnant, uh, sometimes. I also think that, they're missing a ton of shots. Like right now, the Celtics are just, they have not been hitting a lot of shots. So the assist numbers will naturally go up when the baskets start falling. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they're going to have, they're going to have a game or two in the not too distant future where like they can't miss and they shoot something like 55% from the field. And it's going to be like, wow, <laughs> you know, and, and all of a sudden the yep. numbers are going to even out. Like it really is eventually going to be like some somewhat of a regression to the mean. So Kemba is is going to hit what he hits. Like and and really, last year he shot forty three percent. So it's not like shooting forty percent is is not that far off. It's not right. Like he's he's not going to hit a ton of shots. Like he's gonna he's gonna miss a fair amount of shots, but he's also going to hit a good amount of three pointers. Like last year he shot about 36%. The year before was 38. The year before was about 40. So he's at 38 and a half right now. If he just continues hitting 38 and a half, like this is going to be, this is kind of who Kemba Walker is. Uh, and if, if he can just pump up that, that two point percentage, like last year of two point percentage, he shot 49%. Uh, this year he's shooting 42%. So again, 
slow starts, I, I feel like he's going to get back to a, a decent number because he's just too good not to, and there's too many good players around. That's uh, it. What, what you said there is what I was going to add, I and mean, this is the this is definitely his, the best team he's played on. So um, he should benefit from, um, you know, possibly getting more open looks. I mean, I know it sounds silly, but if the Celtics move the ball around, you know, he can get some daylight on his shots. And I just, you know, it's not as though he's in Charlotte and there's only, you know, he's the only guy that defenses have to worry about. So hopefully that that, you know, allows him to be a little bit a little bit more efficient. Yeah, I I think maybe like he, he was so focused all preseason on, you know, I don't have to do everything, so I'm just going to let everybody else kind of like, it's going to be great to watch everybody else do things. But so part of his career in Charlotte, it's been like, well, no one else is around to do all of this stuff. But also he's around to do all of this. Like, that's how he plays. Like, he's always been doing all of this stuff. So I think he might just need to like start looking for his own offense first and then everyone else kind of plays off of him. And it's it's almost, almost kind of what Kyrie was doing last year in that, you know, if you start trying to facilitate a lot, like it's, it's tougher for you to get going where the yeah. Celtics offense might be best if Kemba's going early and just, he draws that extra gravity. And if he's just going, if he has, Six first quarter, first quarter points, like in the, like in the first few minutes, like boom, 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 basket, basket, basket. Then people are like, oh shit, we gotta, gotta, everybody's gonna start looking at Kemba because he's the, he's the start. Then when the ball works its way around, that's one step that a guy's closer to Kemba than he would normally have been. If he's like, well, I know Kemba's gonna be passing, so I can play this passing lane, or I could be a little tighter on Tatum. So it might just be as simple as just go get yours. Kemba and everybody else is good enough that when the ball works its way around, because when people collapse on you, you are going to kick like when they get the ball, they're going to go score. And and that might be enough to open things up for everybody else. So we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was, you know, I think it was Jalen who, who went public and or told the media that he apologized for taking a shot. Yeah. I think it was in that Knicks game when Walker had it, had it rolling. It was but, in the but, Raptors game. Oh, it was a Raptors game, but what a, you know, the dynamic is just so, it's just so different. But I think that also goes to show you these guys are aware of that sort, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. When one guy's rolling, wanting to feed him or who's not rolling and who they need to get started. So they're thinking about it during the game. You know, we, we want them to just play and react, but they're definitely aware of who's hot, who's not and who needs to get their touches. So we'll see what happens. Uh, the next game is Wednesday against the Bucks. That'll be an interesting one, a tough one. So uh, we'll be here all week. So subscribe to the Lockdown Celtics podcast wherever you get your podcasts. If you're a new listener, thank you for checking the show out. Hope you enjoy it enough to subscribe. Uh, all of you regular subscribers, give us that five-star rating, the Good Written Review. Just found out today that Lockdown Celtics is now in the top 150 of all sports podcasts on iTunes. So climbing the ranks, those five-star ratings and good written reviews really help. So to sharing the podcast, tell everybody to listen to the Lockdown Celtics podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network.